game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, many of the things you're going to hear on this show tonight, you will have heard before. First of all, the Edmonton Oilers have lost a home game. That has happened quite often lately. They are 0-4-1 in their last five home games, and it's happened quite often for the season. They're now 9-11-1 at Rogers Place this year. You're also going to hear us talk about turning over the puck. You're also going to hear us talk about sloppy defending. You're also going to hear us talking about allowing goals against in bunches. And we'll probably get to a few other things as well, as it's a really disappointing night here for the Edmonton Oilers at Rogers Place. 5-2, the Seattle Kraken take it. How about this for Seattle? They, you know, love look like they're going to drop off, going to drop off. Well, they're now 20-12-4 on the season, and the Oilers are 20-17-2. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in Studio 99 for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Thanks a lot for joining us. Well, Rob... So they, they lost, in, they, or the shootout lost to St. Louis, and then they, the, the next four have been in regulation. So five games in a row at home. In three of those games, they had a two-goal lead. Mm-hmm. Now, the St. Louis one was late in the third. The other two were earlier in the game. But still, you had a two-goal lead on home ice, and it, and it went away fairly quickly. I mean, this wasn't teams struggling and then barely winning. Both of them turned into 5-2 losses. Um I'll, I'll just ask very generally, what what started to swing it in favor of the Kraken tonight, do you think? Well, I just think that the, the Oilers stopped playing uh, the way that they played to get the 2-0 lead. Uh, they got the 2-0 lead early in the second period, and coming out of that, you would think that the Oilers would have an advantage, and they'd be able to push the pace, and, and the pressure would be on Seattle, but Seattle came out stronger. They fell behind by two after a, a, a pretty breakaway goal by McDavid. And all of a sudden, the urgency was in the Seattle Kraken game. And then a, a needless penalty uh, interference by pushing a guy's stick away. Uh, got them a power play. And then uh, right off of the faceoff, uh, Kulak takes another penalty. Now, that one was negated because they got scored on. But it turned into a six-on-five, so more or less a power play there. And... Uh, the Oilers didn't recover, and Seattle just got better and better. And as I just said with Bob upstairs, the Seattle Kraken, who, and you and I have talked about it, not expected to make the playoffs, a team that most would think would fall off, are leaving Edmonton a much more confident team with belief in their in, in themselves as being a playoff team. Now, it's still a long ways to go, and, and they have not shown they can get the saves to be a playoff team throughout the first half of the season. But they've got an urgency in their game. They've got a, a belief in their their team. And we saw that tonight. I, it got to the point where I, we've seen the Oilers come back in games. And I, there's most nights, I believe, okay, the Oilers still have a chance in this hockey game. Uh, as that game moved on, the belief watching the game is like, oh, actually, they're not getting any chances. They're not creating. They're not pushing the pace. The Seattle Kraken are still the better team. I know that shot effects and Edmonton had the, the shot totals in the third period, but Seattle played a very strong game. I just, you didn't see the urgency in Edmonton's game and you got to have that in the NHL. All right, here's coach Jay Woodcroft. Uncharacteristic errors in areas that we typically have a lot of pride 
in, um, and it ended up in the back of our net. Uh, this is a 60-minute league. If you want to win, you have to be consistent with your play and your detail and your execution over a full 60 minutes. Mistakes are going to happen, but um, tonight that 10-minute that span certainly killed us um, and uh, not typical and not good enough. Is there, uh, you called the timeout to try and spark the group a little yeah. bit. What did you sense after that timeout, Jay? And I guess maybe bigger picture about the group and, and the personality, the ability to snap back into place when they aren't where you want them to be. Obviously it wasn't there tonight, but overall, what would you say? Yeah, you know what, I, I have faith in our group. I have faith in our leadership group. Um, uh, tonight I, I made that that call to take a timeout to try and settle the group down and and um you know spur something uh i just felt the the energy and the on the bench and the energy uh on the ice wasn't where it needed to be um you know in the end it didn't work we uh, we gave up two more in that 10 minute span um again things that i feel are within our control i mean uh if you look at some of those goals two of them came off face off which is typically a strength specifically in coverages for us um, you know I think uh, we gave up one on the penalty kill that you know we can uh, you know we could do a better job at our net on and then uh, certainly when it was a six on five situation on a delayed penalty I just I didn't think those were goals that necessarily were something the other team did to us I think um, those were situations we could handle better did you feel your team got its game to a level that kind of gave you a chance to get back in the game and it was just continued mistakes? Like, did they get back to a level you, that you wanted them to, do you think? You know what? We made the, the call to take the timeout and, and it didn't end up working. I, I thought um, I didn't love that span in the second period. Uh, I thought we didn't shoot the puck enough. Um, you know, we had a chance to, I think we had a, a good entry, Broberg uh, coming down Main Street there and whatnot, but it wasn't a typical period for us. Um, and then in the third period, we had a few chances, but not enough. Uh, in the end, as I said, uh, it's not a 50-minute league; it's a 60-minute. If you want to win, uh, your details and execution have to be there for the full 60 minutes. And tonight, it wasn't there for us. You, you talked about the energy and, and stuff not being there. What, what's missing? What do you want to see in that situation? Well, I want to see us continue, uh, you know, I thought we played a pretty good first period. Um, I thought there were some mistakes in the first period where we got a little bit loose, um, but we were able to overcome it. We had a good start to the second period. We scored a goal in the first minute, um, and then uh, and then we just... You know, we we didn't have uh, we didn't have it for a 10 minute spirit, uh, span. Um, you know, in the end, it's not good enough. It's on all of us, coaches and players included. So uh, up to nothing on Vancouver, lost five two. Up to uh, you had a two. And tonight, um, we're deep into the season. How concerned should people be that this this stuff is happening? Well. You know, it's it's not uh, that didn't go according to plan. Um, you know, we think there's there's been some moments within our control. Uh, there were moments tonight within our control. Sometimes individual um, error that leads to a goal against. Sometimes it's a collective error with the five people on the ice. 
Um, tonight, it, it's not pointing a finger at any one individual. There, you know, collectively in that 10-minute span, we have to be better. We own it. No one's running away from it. We own it, um, and we're working our way towards uh, trying to solve it and find find a solution here so that we can get the results on home ice that we want to get. Right, you guys last season played about three months of solid relatively consistent hockey if you had a bad night you bounce back right away yep we're 40 games in almost here and you guys can't play you can't seem to find that consistency for more than maybe three in a row here why is there no carryover from a team that figured it out last year why haven't you figured it out yet this year spec i'd say that we're a different team than we were last year we have different people here um we have a lot of the same people but we have different people i think um you know there's been different times or segments of our season i think we were seven and three to start the year then we went three and seven then we kind of hit some injury uh, injuries where we lost some people up front, uh, forced us to do some things to try and find ways to win games. Um, you know, we're starting to return people to full health. It hasn't gone as smoothly as we want it to go. That's okay. That's okay. It doesn't always have to be a smooth sail as long as you're learning the lessons that get presented to you along the way. Your frustration with not putting more than three in a row, uh, you know, to your liking, um, I think is uh, is something that everybody feels. Um, you know, we're we're trying to find solutions to build uh, success in a sustainable manner over long stretches, not just for short periods. Do you find when things aren't going your way? that for instance tonight there's too many guys between your defenseman and your goalie do you need to find a way for this team to be harder down low you know what i thought uh, coming out of the break we played pretty well didn't give up a lot i don't know you have the final shots on net there what do you have there for final shots on net against uh, 24. 24 shots on net. I think in a typical game, if you can hold the team to less than 25, depending on the types of chances you give up, you give yourself a chance to win. Could we have been harder at our net tonight? Yeah, we could. No one's running away from that. But you give up less than 25 shots in a game, you should win it, in my opinion. Jay, when you made the change with Skinner, was that more just trying to change momentum, not necessarily a reflection of him? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I look at some of the saves he made in the first period. Um, you know, uh, he might want to have that, the, the fourth one, you know, not the goal, but the, a shot that led uh, to a rebound. He might want to have that one back, but Stuart Skinner's been rock solid for us. I thought it was an opportunity for Jack to get uh, some playing time. Jack went in under tough circumstances, made some saves, and uh, yeah, you're right. I was just, I had already called a timeout, and I was just trying to slow the game down a little bit and uh, jolt our team. Uh, it had nothing to do with Stuart's play. Good, thanks. All right, that is Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft at the mic for Eclipse Restoration, named one of Western Canada's best restoration contractors three years in a row. Call 780-250-HELP or visit eclipse247.ca. Oilers lose 5-2 to Seattle. I I'm going to flat out disagree with one of the first things Jay Woodcroft said in those comments, and that is he said we make un have made uncharacteristic errors. I would say, no, Jay, your team is making the same errors that they made in the first five games of the season. Uh, poor or poorly timed penalties. They're mm -hmm. not taking quite as many penalties as they did earlier in the season. 
but they're taking some unnecessary ones at, at bad times. You re-referenced it. You don't need to shoot a guy's stick into the corner yep. at any time, but 2 nothing, you're giving them a chance to get some life. Um, poor job clearing the puck, either too casual, too soft on the clear, turning it over, and then the one that he said, not hard enough around their net and down low. That's that's been a problem most of the season. That's so, been the biggest so, so, consistent one. Yes. So those those are costly errors, but unfortunately they're not uncharacteristic of this well, team. Well, and the I'll go one further. The one thing that surprised me is when he said that we're normally very good on faceoff plays and coverage after faceoffs. That's the one thing we talked about after second period. And we've talked about it a lot this year where teams seem to, if they win a draw in the offensive zone, take it to the net right away and seem to have a set play. And the Oilers have struggled with that. Uh, to me, it, the Oilers in this game lacked the energy and the urgency that they needed to win the hockey game. Seattle was, uh, I don't know, I don't think Seattle's more talented than the Oilers, but they played with a, a greater sense of urgency, a greater uh, sense of commitment than the Oilers did. And commitment all throughout the ice on getting pucks in, uh, getting pucks out, blocking shots. There's, I think, four or five times Bouchard shots were blocked. I mean, that's a commitment for someone to stand in front of his shot. And in the third period alone, I think there's four or five of those where guys made that commitment. It was going to hurt, but we're going to make sure that we do the right things all the time. Uh, there are mistakes made every game. Both teams do. The, t the winning team makes lots of mistakes too. Uh, but when you see a, a team make a mistake, there's this group mentality. That guy just lost the guy. Let's go attack. Let's all go there and, and help fix that mistake. It seems like when the Oilers make a mistake, it's in an island. The mistake's made and it's really blown up because that mistake, nobody comes back and covers up for the mistake that's made. Uh, and then just soft plays. There, there's a, a, a two-on-two with zero speed by the Seattle Kraken in the third period. And it was Bouchard and Barry back. And Bouchard, you can see him pointing at Barry. You take him, you take him. And Barry did against the point, against the boards. And all of a sudden, the other guy that Bouchard's supposed to have went in on a breakaway. Uh, those, I mean, those are just, okay, how do you turn a two-on-two where they don't have speed into a breakaway? Those are the plays that have been killing the Oilers this year. Well, and I like how you put that, too, about, you know, mistakes and, and commitment. And, and to me, these two games were, the, the two games between these teams were similar. Both teams had four-goal periods that pretty much decided the game. Yep. Now, the Oilers happened to be in the first 10 minutes of the game. Seattle's was in the second period. But, I mean, generally in this league, you don't survive a four-goal period. No. You, you know, and, no. And then, <laughs> yes, the, you know, a little, the Oilers, may, uh, who knows, maybe they, they did they got a power play early in the third period, exactly what they needed. They scored. Hyman was offside. Yes. So it was the right it, call. It, it was the it, right call. It, millimeters, but it was but, the right call. But still, like you know, you, as you often say, when you're behind, usually by two or more, especially in the third, you, you need things to go your way. And the Oilers have had a couple of games like that, but it's 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 rare w when that happens. I mean, well, and it's a game that the Oilers shouldn't be chasing. It. You have a two nothing lead on home ice against a team you just smacked around three four days ago. Uh, a team that you have. Uh, I would say more talent then and the team the Oilers are, are a 2 nothing lead they started chasing in the game when they were winning it, it was like they were second place in front of the net second place into the corner second place on face-offs uh, give the Seattle Kraken credit and the one thing that Seattle has too is they got four lines that are equal 
They all four lines have fairly close stats when it comes to scoring, and they just kept rolling out their four lines, and it eventually the Oilers, they were down to two lines for the last 12 minutes of this hockey game, and that wore them down as well. 5-2 Seattle takes it here at Rogers Place. That's a $200 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. 100 bucks a goal from James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. The uh, power play situation ends under. I set the line at 2.5. Mm -hmm. Total power play goals of the game. It was briefly over until the review. <laughs> so uh, it is under. So... Troy gets the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. Set the line for River Cree Resort and Casino excitement. Bet on it. And I also am gonna, I'm also gonna disagree with Jay about the shots on goal. Okay, great. You only allowed 24 shots on goal, but after 20 shots, you were down 4-2. I, I mean, Seattle wind up out, out shooting Edmonton on Friday. I didn't care. Yeah. The others were up 4-0 early and they won 7-2. So this game, okay, great. You only allowed 24 shots Seattle wasn't desperate well to, to shoot the puck once they got a 4-2 lead and Seattle had a four minute power play where they really didn't take anything towards the net they were playing more or less to waste four minutes of, uh, of time so it could have been we see that all the time the team that's losing always has more shots as the game if, goes if at on. some point it's lost yes because yeah. the the team that's winning just they sit back they got a two goal lead what do we have to worry about so uh it, it's simple the Seattle Kraken were the better team in this hockey game and deserve the two points. Yes, and that's and, and it's happening too often for the Oilers, I think, given well, it, the expectations and how they're losing some of the games. And the importance of this game. This is a game right. that you were tied with this team in the standings. And the Seattle has three games in hand, so now they're two points ahead with three games in. A lot of time left in the season. There's over half a, a year left. But, but we've been saying that this since is, game 10, yeah. game 20, game 30, now this, almost game 40. And it, it's... It, there, there are games you're going to lose. We'll go to the, the Islander game where the Oilers were the better team, and they lost. There's, there was a game against Anaheim. They fell behind. They, they had the big push, and they probably deserved a better fate. This is not one of those games. No. This was a game that the Seattle Kraken, uh, they weren't great throughout the whole game, but they, they were consistent, and, and they had that hunger amongst them the entire game. This was a game that the Seattle Kraken deserved the two points. And, and you mentioned consistent. That's been a problem with the Oilers all year. And even look at the last couple of weeks. You, you, you beat Dallas, a mm -hmm. team that blew you out earlier in the season. You go in there, you, you play solid, you, you score in the third period, you win. You got a home game against Vancouver, you blow it. Going to Calgary, your rival. Tough out the win. Okay, you go into Seattle, blow them out, good. They didn't play great, but still you won. You come home, can't beat the Jets. All right, fair enough. Fairly close game, but then then you kind of lay an egg tonight. And, and we've been saying this all year. Like, when are they going to string together, you know, five, six, seven games? Where maybe they play well, you might lose a couple, but you go five, two, and two, or you go four, two, and one, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know they had that seven and three stretch, but really. That's the high point of the season. Other than that, it's been one up, one down, or two up, two down. And I know there's been talk. The Oilers have had some injury, injuries. Kane's out of the lineup. Big loss. And Leon missed a couple of games. But you look around the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who are winning this division and still getting points. They won again the other night. I looked through their lineup. They're missing like seven players, including their best forward, their best defenseman, well, and, and really their starting goaltender, all out of the lineup, and have been for a long period of time. They're finding ways to win, and that's what playoff teams do and good teams do. Good teams find a way to win when they don't have their whole lineup. And the Oilers right now are, are 
pretty healthy other than one player. Yeah. And this was not the the kind of game that they wanted. It, again, an important hockey game against a team that they are battling with for a playoff spot. This the Seattle Kraken are leaving are leaving the rink here tonight with they're like, you know what? Maybe we are for real. Because yep. I'm sure there's there's some doubts in their mind. I mean, the, everyone's a confident group and everything, but they're like, you know, are we playing above our potential? Is this what we can... But tonight they came out and did what they needed to do and walked away with two points in a, a division arena against the team that coming into the game they were tied with. I'm just going to look at the next six games for the Oilers, and, I, and I'm going to make a bit of a prediction, okay. which often I'm not good at. So they got the Islanders in Colorado at home, then they got a four-game road trip, L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, and Vegas, six games. Like, I, I'm going to... Given how the season's gone, I'm going to say after two of those games, you and I are going to be sitting here saying, okay, that's solid. Looks like the Oilers, maybe they figured it out. That's a, that's a solid hockey game. And we're probably going to have two games like tonight where you're like, what are they doing? What's And, and what's going to happen in the other two games? Might determine how we feel about this upcoming. Because I like they, they are so... Um, I mean, maybe unpredictable is not the right word because they're they're predictable in the way that you don't know what you're going to get uh, every night. I, I, but I mean, they, the Oilers are, are they could beat anybody. Yep. And, I, and they are flawed. Like I know it's the NHL where of course anybody can beat anybody. But I'm just saying with with this team, it feels like extra exaggerated. I mean, they could go in against a top team like Dallas and and, and figure it out. And then you know they could lose to Anaheim or, or lose. Well, and I said this uh, a couple weeks ago with Bob. The Oilers are gifted enough offensively to be able to win every single game that they start. The Oilers have defensive flaws and defensive lapses in their game that allow them to go in every game and have be on the wrong side at the end of the night. Uh, they, will, they have the ability to uh, run away with a game because of their skill, but sometimes being a little oh, soft in their own end or being a little uh, confused with coverage, it allows teams to stay close. And that's why you don't see the Oilers rarely blow teams out is because, you know, they'll, they'll dominate a period, but then they'll make two big mistakes that all of a sudden the other team who have been dominated, they score two goals. So the Oilers are good enough to win every game, but they also uh, don't play a good enough team defense, and that's top to bottom, forwards and defense, to, to have a consistent team. You're, teams that are consistent are good defensive teams because they know every night, okay, here, if we score three tonight, we're going to win. But the Oilers, uh, they had this nice little stretch here after Christmas, but most nights Believe they need... that was two games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Most nights they need four I mean, goals I guess we could say against the Jets, yeah. okay, you did but some mo good things. But. Most nights you need four goals for the Oilers to win, and that's not uh, consistent enough or good enough defensively to be a good team in the National Hockey League. All right, 5-2, Seattle wins tonight. I can also tell you at Claire Drake Arena, a very special night there. The Hockey Can't Stop Tour, over uh, 2,300 fans there. Golden Bears played the U25 Ukrainian national team. 5-1 win for the Bears, but of course, uh, ticket merchandise sales supporting the Canada-Ukraine Foundation and Save Ukrainian Hockey Dream. And the Ukrainian team uh, is going to stick around, and they're going to come to the game here on... Uh, Thursday, oh. which is the uh, a game to uh, to support Ukraine. So uh, that'll be a special coming up there. I can also tell you on the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals, your one-stop source for commercial trailer rentals, visit AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. It was the Islanders. Well, it's still going on. It's, uh, seven minutes left. Islanders looking good in Vancouver. They're up 5-2. 11 minutes left in L.A. It's 2-2 Stars and Kings. 
The Sabres beat the Capitals 5-4 in overtime. Tage Thompson, hat-trick, 30 goals on the season. Also got the winner. Blues beat the Maple Leafs 6-5 in a shootout. The Jets knock off the Flames 3-2. Predators win 6-3 over the Canadians. Lightning take down the Blackhawks 4-1. Senators shut out the Blue Jackets 4-0. Rangers beat the Hurricanes 5-3. Panthers win at home 5-3 against the Coyotes and right here on 630 Chet 5-2 Seattle taking down the Oilers. We will get to your phone calls right away on the hotline for CertainTeed the pros choice for roofing, siding, drywall insulation and ceiling systems CertainTeed pro all the way 780-496-0063 this is Heartland Ford overtime open line Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Now puck brought in by Holloway. The dry side will pass across off a skate, comes out to center. Sprong's got a breakaway for Seattle. Sprong in the shot. Oh, the save made by Skinner. Got it with a left pad. McLeod will rim it up the left wing and it comes out. What a stop by Skinner. Skinner stopping a breakaway in the first period when the Oilers were up 1-0. The save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. So Skinner pulled tonight. He allowed four goals on 20 shots in 35-48 of ice time, of playing time. Uh, as you heard Jay Woodcroft say, not really a comment on Skinner's performance, but trying to shake it up. Jack Campbell played 22-10, faced three shots. Stopped them all. The empty net faced a shot, failed to make a save. <laughs> the empty net's the worst goalie in NHL history. He is. Well, although there was that really nice save that uh, the goalie, the empty net goalie made on Patrick Steffen here years That's ago. That's true. That was a poke check, I think. Yeah, it was. He got it just to bounce off his stick. Yeah, no, uh, uh, it was just... Well, he called the timeout. I mean, people used to hate the tip and never used the timeout. Yeah, well, Jay called the timeout after the second goal. And the, just the response wasn't there that he needed. And again, and he talked about it, how he pulled Skinner just to give him, he didn't have a timeout to use. They weren't playing well enough. Sometimes uh, I've had coaches that'll pull the goalie and almost to, to embarrass you. It's, it's like, it's not the goalie's fault, but he's coming out. You're Go out cost, there and do something. You're costing your teammate yeah. half a game or whatever. And it yeah. just wasn't there. No, the Oilers just, they had, they didn't have jump tonight. This was a game that uh, Seattle just won the battles, won the races. They had a pack mentality uh, in their own zone. Uh, there was never a time where an Oilers stood by himself and had time to think to make a play. Uh, Seattle was on them quickly. Seattle, uh, Kraken, they got some big physical defensemen, but they're slow afoot. The Oilers never took advantage of that tonight at all. So it was uh, a game where Seattle came in with a mentality that they were going to outwork the Oilers. And in all honesty, they did. 5-2, Seattle wins it. 780-496-0063. We will say hello to Doug. Hey, Doug, thanks for calling. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I call in once in a while. I really, <coughs> excuse me, really enjoy your show, the radio and the after-hour after show. And uh, I have one thing to say. About when the Oilers won the uh, their last Stanley Cup, there was an old guy went to court. The city of Edmonton took him to court because he was taking too long to finish a home renovation project. In court, he simply told the judge, "Your Honor, quality work takes time." The judge dismissed the case. I laughed. I'm not laughing 30 years later. Are the Oilers using this 
defense in the court of public opinion or uh well i hope not yeah that's that's a funny story i <laughs> I, I, I i hope not i mean look again expectations were high um it doesn't mean you're gonna have a i mean expectations were high for a few teams uh some are are doing well Mm-hmm. Some are not. I mean, expectations were high for Florida. They're not doing great. Uh, Colorado's out of the playoffs right know, now. No, the injuries. Injuries, yeah. Uh, you know, even Calgary. But, yeah, other teams. So, yeah, it's – and, again, we're, I'm not saying every game should – you should go 75-7 and seven or whatever. I'm just saying over and over again we're seeing the same problems. Uh, you know, either the coaching staff has to correct them or maybe Ken Holland's going to have to step in and say, I, I need to get a different player. Mm-hmm. Or some of the players are going to have to bear down and, and start doing a little better. I, I think you can you can point uh, a lot of different. And, and I've said this many times this season. People have heard this before. Because again, I'm not. I'm. I don't want to be one of those guys. Well, you know, they should, they should only have three losses. But again, you know, like I used to say, four to six points. Well, now it's like, well, you know, they kind of should have six to eight more more points. And as that gap increases, you're still now fighting for a wild card spot instead of up higher in the division. Well, the thing that the Oilers are battling against is the expectations of where they should be. Uh, they're a top four team. And I know that Jay Woodcroft said we're not the same team as last year. Well, they're pretty close. Uh, I mean, two big losses are Smith and, and Keith, but they're, they're pretty close with the same group they had. And when we talk about players being better at this or doing this it's because we've seen those players do that this is a team that had an incredible run at the end of the year when Jay Woodcroft took over and then they went to the final four so the expectations were very high for the Oilers this year so I think that's why if this was well if the Seattle Kraken pretty excited about battling for a playoff spot and being where they are in the standings well the Edmonton Oilers expectation was they're going to get at least to where they were last year if not more so the stumbles that they're having right now are the same type of stumbles that they had at the beginning of last year. The same kind of play defensively that cost Dave Tippett his job. Uh, the second half of the season, they were very committed. They were very good defensively. Um, they didn't give up those grade-A scoring chances over and over again. So I think that's why when we sit here and talk about the Oilers and what we feel they're doing right or wrong is because we saw what they're We've capable of doing. Play better, right. So that's that's why we're, we're calling it out, calling them out on it. Uh, and they still can go on that run. But as you and I have been saying, we've been waiting for that run after 10 games, after 20, after 30, and here we are coming up to 40. When is that run going to be? Because uh, right now, it's it's there's no new players that they're waiting to come back from injury. There's just one guy out right now. So this is more or less their team that they expected to have for the, uh, a good chunk of their season. And some of the players, frankly, are, are underperforming. They're not playing up to where we saw them play last year. 5-2, Seattle takes it. We also have Kim on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Kim, go ahead. Hi, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good. Good. Um, I just had a couple questions um, or concerns. Um, I just see McDavid the last couple of weeks, so the frustrations on the bench, like like after the in the third period, about two minutes left, or uh, you could see him just frustrated on the bench, kind of throw the water bottle down. Um, uh, I hope management is is paying attention to that and and realizes like they got to do something soon to to help help them and, and, and help the team. And I'm also, I'm going to just jump in here for one second. Yeah. I, because I've said this before, he should be frustrated. I don't mind players showing frustration to an extent. The difference with McDavid is, 
and other players is it depends on how they are perceived based on what they've already accomplished. Tom Brady yells at his teammates all the time. Yes. There's plenty of footage of it. Yep. It doesn't get criticized because he's won seven Super Bowls. <laughs> I bet you if the Oilers already had a couple Stanley Cups, you wouldn't be saying that about McDavid. But fair comment. What's it? What um, else? Also, uh, block shots. I'm just curious. Uh, Rob was talking about block shots. I just don't see see that we're blocking as many shots as last year or or other teams are doing um i'd like to know is there any stats that would look at block shots i'll look it up for the season i'll look it up for the uh season kim they only blocked five tonight i mean it's it's a great a great uh notice by you uh, because tonight i don't know what the kraken have tonight because 11 11 so some nights a team might get 15 to 20. I mean, sometimes when, when you're blocking a lot of shots, it also means the other team has the puck on their stick. Yeah. But shot blocking is uh, is a commitment and a willingness. And I can tell you from experience, when I was accidentally hit by shots, occasionally it hurts. But so you got credit for block I got a block shot. <laughs> I had surgery once on my foot from blocking one. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that you again. Didn't mean to do it. But there's a, it is a commitment. And, and you're right. You have to have a willingness to do that. And there are players, I'm not saying on Edmonton, but all throughout that know how to block shots. There's also players that know how to make it look like they're blocking a shot. And they think, oh, it just went by me again. Uh, when... When a team has got a commitment to their defensive structure, uh, they are very good at blocking shots, and no one better than we saw last year, Chris Russell. The willingness to put your body in front of a, a puck that's coming 90-plus miles an hour. So I don't know. Reed's trying to find it right now, how the others have been this year. But you will usually find a team that ekes out a close victory that they've got more block shots than the opposition because they're holding on to a league and they're a lead and they're doing whatever it takes to get get to that final victory. All right, seven eight zero four nine. Sorry, kid, we're just going to go on to the next caller here. We got a few people on hold tonight. Uh, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. And uh, I always forget how to say your name, sir. Anish. Hey, Robin Reed. Uh, first and foremost, I want to wish you guys a happy 2023 and. Thank you guys so much for all your coverage that you guys always do with the Oilers every night. I always enjoy your post-game shows. A couple questions for you. Um, first and foremost, you know, with home ice, that's usually typically an advantage for teams, especially at this time of the season and going forward and making a playoff push. And the last few, uh, the last, the last few nights we've been 0-4 and 1, and recently 9-11 and 1. Why do you guys think that home ice has been so such a challenge to win games? Uh, it, win in games all honesty, I, I, I don't know. I don't think the Oilers know. Uh, players like playing on home ice. They'd rather play at home than on the road. It's more fun. Mm -hmm. It's easier. You got, you're staying in your own bed. You got your family. Uh, what, I don't know what the reason is. Um, <laughs> and if the Oilers knew, they would have corrected it as well. But the Oilers have not played as well on home ice. So it's not just it's not just the record saying that they're not as good on home ice. Just the, the eye test, watching them. They have not played as well on home ice. It's not they're just getting unlucky. Uh, they've been a better road team this year, and their efforts on the road have been better. Okay, I got it. Uh, the league leader in blocked shots, I'll just do the quantity so this isn't per game. Uh, Vegas has blocked 731 shots. That's actually a healthy lead of 61 over Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia is one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, the Oilers are 25th in blocked shots with 509. Oddly enough, sandwiched right between Calgary and Vancouver. Huh. 
Well, there you have it. They're near the bottom of the National Hockey League and block shots. So uh, I think it was it Kim that made that call. Good observation. Yeah, interesting. I'd never thought to look that up before. Oilers lose 5-2 whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. We turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com that allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at jvedmonton.ca. You're going to hear from Zach Hyman and Darnell Nurse on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. So McDavid over to CeCe. Now through the middle for Nurse. Into the Seattle end to Hyman on the right wing. He'll shoot it. Stick save made by Jones. Centered in front off the stick of Pugliarvi. And coming out to center is Tolvin in for Seattle. Off the left wing boards, he'll dump it in. To Bjorkstrand, he'll get hit hard by Nurse. Puck comes around to the point. Darnell Nurse delivering the crunch of the game for Cougar Paint Collision. Our family helping your family for 40 years and counting. Oilers lose 5-2 to Seattle. Nuge in the first period on the power play. McDavid in the first minute of the second period. Then Beneers, Schwartz, Gord, and McCann in the second for Seattle. They took control. Wenberg got an empty netter. The three stars in order, Schwartz, Beneers, and Gord. And Rob, uh, I'm going to give the fourth star to Adam Larson for Jandell Holmes, Alberta's premier modular home retailer. The former Oilers defenseman with an assist tonight. He extends his career-high point streak to seven games. Seriously, uh, that is unbelievable. If you say of all the ex-Oilers that are still playing in the National Hockey League, one of them had a seven-point scoring streak, uh, he would not be in my top... Well, depends how many people are playing. The former Oilers, he would be near the bottom well, on, of on it. On Seattle, you'd take Schultz or Eberle. 100%. Ahead of, ahead of Larson, but he's doing uh, well. And good on it. And he, he played well. I mean, everyone that was an Oilers fan loved the way he played. He played with a, uh, an anger to his game, a meanness to his game. Uh, it was a big loss when he left and went to Seattle for the Oilers on the back end. I mean, the one thing that we've been talking about all season long is they could really use a, a big, mean, tough defenseman to play top four minutes, and he's done that in Seattle. So you wish him luck, but yeah, he, uh, I did not know he had the offensive upside that we've seen uh, in the games that he's played and the seven-game streak that he's got going right now, so good on him. All right, let's go down to the Oilers dressing room. Here's Zach Hyman. Kind of a recurring theme at home a little bit where you guys start out well and just have trouble closing things out and getting a win. What do you see happening? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was even closing things out. It was just a lapse in the second period there. Um, you probably know better how many goals they scored in form four and how many minutes. It was pretty quick, right? 11, yeah. Yeah, 11 minutes. So there's a game. Uh, 11 minutes, we fall asleep, and then uh, they take advantage, obviously, there, and, uh, and uh, it costs us. You guys, you know, Jay calls a timeout, a bit of a regroup there. Um, Maybe what's not clicking for the group that needs to in that moment? Like, is it just as a mental error? Or is it an intensity uh, thing? What do you, what do you I think it's just resetting. I think uh, you call a timeout there to, to reset and regroup. And I just think we stopped playing. Right? We just uh, uh, we weren't tight on checks. Um, you know, just we had a couple of face-off goals, which we you know we talk about all the time. We have face-off, uh, <coughs> excuse me, meeting uh, where we go over things and 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 you know we talk about it and. Uh, 
So yeah, just just mental lapses and just not being hard on the puck, uh, not one guy throughout the entire lineup. How difficult is it when when they have that 11 minutes and then uh, you're trying to respond? They know that I mean, you've got lots of offensive firepower, but the challenge that, that that's there when you're attempting to get back in that game. For sure, I mean you go up to nothing, you, the odds you win that game are, are you know statistically pretty high, right? But uh, unfortunately, we're you know we weren't able to to keep the lead. We as I said, we went 11 minutes there where we fell asleep in that second period, uh, and then you're playing catch up, and then all of a sudden you're you're down two goals, right? So. Um, yeah, just something that we need to clean up on, especially on home ice. Obviously, it's, that hasn't been, uh, you know, something that we're proud of. We're usually a really good, uh, you know, home team, so we, we like playing here. We got to get back to doing it the right way. You guys had a good run going after Christmas. Three games, you love five goals. Mm -hmm. uh, playing well, mm -hmm. and then come in here and defensively fall apart. It seems like you're looking to grab onto something. You built something up pretty good, and then it gets away from you. How come you can't sure. hang on to it? Oh, I, well, if we had that answer, we wouldn't be where we are, right? So I think uh, it's consistency. I think uh, it's it's doing it every single night. And we talk about it, and you just got to go out there and do it, and you got to do it for the entire game. Right? They talk about it a bunch here. You know, we do it in the first period. We're up uh, 2 nothing, and then you fall asleep for half the period, whatever it is, and, and then... Uh, you know, you're down to you're down to right so I think it's it's finding consistency throughout our game and when things aren't looking pretty falling back on the things that you know we know we can do structure you know getting pucks behind their, their D making it hard on them just little things like that when when things aren't pretty we're still able to play consistently I think we got to find that that disappointing because some games you're up to nothing and you're not playing well you guys were up to nothing and really had the game in complete control yep. and then it kind of <clears throat> fell apart is that what makes it maybe even more disappointing because this wasn't one that you can kind of sense it's coming sure I mean especially divisional game too right so you add that on and uh yeah, it's it's disappointing when you just you know you just don't play to your standard and you don't have the level of effort throughout the team that you know you expect on a nightly basis, right? You you lose a game and the effort was there, then you know doesn't uh, doesn't sting as bad. But I think for that period, you know, I think we could have been a lot better, and we all know that, and uh, you know we're, we're holding each other accountable for that. All right, that is uh, Zach Hyman. The Oilers lose 5-2 to Seattle. So Edmonton's record 20-17-2 on the season. And again, those home ice stats are ugly. 0-4-1 in their last five. Have not won at home since December 9th. 9-11-1 for the season here at Rogers Place. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in Studio 99. We'll get to uh, Alex, Terry, and Tony up next in the batting order on the Certainty Hotline. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Updating the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. A couple of games that had uh, not yet concluded when I gave you the scores a few minutes ago have now concluded. Islanders win 6-2 in Vancouver, and the Kings get a 3-2 win over the Dallas Stars, uh, Islanders are here to face the Oilers on Thursday night. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, after a 5-2 win for the Seattle Kraken over the Edmonton Oilers, McDavid scored his 33rd. Oilers went up 2-0 early in the second period. Four goals in the second period after that as Seattle took the game over, and then Wenberg sealed it with an empty netter. All right, we have Alex on the Certainty Hotline. Go ahead, Alex. Guys, how's it going? Good. Well, that was a Bush League second period. <laughs> What a joke. 
I couldn't believe it. I thought I was watching a Bantam B1 in South Edmonton. Uh, that was awful. You know what? It's called character. I'm going to take the pressure off you guys. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant. I feel it too. What a joke. This, this roster is flawed, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name some people on this roster, and if you tell me they're all there at the end of the year, if you're going to win a one round of the playoffs, you tell me yes or no. Brubarg, Bouchard, Yamamoto, Puviarvi, McLeod, Holloway, Half of Fogley, Campbell. Wake up, Ken Holland. Holy okay, thanks, cow. Alex. Thanks, Alex. Just a pro tip to everybody, you don't take the you don't make my job easier if you call in and mispronounce names when you say you're doing a rat. It makes me it makes my job easier because I mispronounce them more than anyone else. So it makes me feel good about myself when other people make the wrong although I do know most of the Oilers players' names, so I'm much yes. better with them. Um, some of those players are not playing well no uh, perhaps are, are in a role where they're not quite able to fulfill yet the majority of those players will be here at season's end and the thing is a lot of those players were part of the Oilers team that went to the final four last year and that's why it's frustrating for fans watching now all right we also have Terry at 780-496-0063 go ahead Terry oh hey guys um I'm just gonna call and talk about um Edmonton's defense um like, I watched all these games. Like, I know we're talking defensively. Um, like, they're not that good. But, like, the defensive core we have has so many holes in it. Like, for example, I'm going to talk about two players like Bouchard, for example. This guy, like, we got to call it like it is. Like, when are we going to actually say, like, this guy's not going to turn out to be what he was intended to be? Shoots too many too many shots at the shin pad, too many mistakes. Um, seven, like, literally, he's a seventh defenseman. If you look at any other good team in the league that's going to make the playoffs and pushing for a cup. This guy won't even crack the top six. So he really. Well, like let me let me ask you this, too. And I agree with you. Bouchard is having a very poor season. I, I would say of uh, of all the players who have been underperforming, he's probably missing the mark by the largest margin. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I get you know I get people. Well, you know, trade them, send them to the minors. But like realistically, how how, how like what what do you do with them? What do you, well, I mean? You they, can, like, yeah, sending him to minors won't solve anything. Like, it's just, it is, I think, I don't know. Like, I think we've seen his ceiling. I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, every year we say, oh, he's going to get better and better better. It just doesn't happen. So, I, I don't know. That's, he's just, it's just something. I think we just got to call what it is. Like, just, we're not going to get any better from him. I don't know if Keith last year was really that influential on him. But, like, this year has just been really bad. Um, and the other guy, and the other guy I just want to mention, too, on the other uh, I know, I know what you guys are going to say. Oh, it's still early, still time developing but like Broberg I have I don't think we like this guy's gonna turn out to be what he's supposed to be uh, like at the time of the draft any like competent drafting organization would have seen Zgrass as a better pick skill wise and like a chance to put him with Leon and McDavid but like I don't know this guy I think he also his ceiling is not as high as like this organization thinks and I think what a lot of fans think so um, yeah, that's my two cents on some of the defense. But overall, this team defensively, it's not good enough to win the cup. It's not good enough to go deep in the playoffs. It's not good enough to compete with Colorado's and the Boston's and the Tampa Bay's. Like, it's not even close. So until that gets fixed, this team is always going to um, struggle defensively. And I know we have another guy, uh, Donald Nurse. Like, I know, you know, I know I'm not going to say anything too much bad about him because media loves him and all that stuff and the fans do. But 
for 9.25 mil, like he gets paid when the car gets okay. paid. A lot of yeah, but here, here's like the thing. Guy. Here's the thing about the contract, though. You can't look at his contract. It has nothing to do with Darnell Nurse as the hockey true. player. It's so true. Darnell it's Nurse true. is the he's their best player, or excuse me, their best defenseman, and it's by a wide margin. And when it comes to is he's having a good season statistically. You just can't get hung up on the contract. Is it a bad contract? I mean, you can make that call right now if you think that's way too much money. But he is their best defenseman, and you can't expect him. When he signed that contract, he didn't become Darnell Nurse, and they gave him magic dust, and now he's Kale McCarr or Victor Hedman. He's still Darnell Nurse. So he, he's played well. Um, he just he, Many fans believe he's overpaid, but he doesn't become better just because he makes more money. So you can call you can call him out on how he's playing or what he's played compared to what he's been in the past, but I, you just can't call him out on the contract because that's not on him, what they gave him. I don't know what's going to happen with Broberg. Um, you know, it's funny. I, for there's been a lot of games that I've seen Broberg play that I thought he's played well. He, he's quiet out there. You don't notice him. Tonight he struggled. Uh, he got turned inside out uh, in the second period. Guy came down the outside and beat him, and eventually, I, I believe the always got a penalty on that one, but he, he wasn't as strong tonight in the game as I've seen in the past. He's a young defenseman trying to find his footing in the National Hockey League. Bouchard, uh, it's been a rough season. It, it really has. Uh, and it's, I, I don't know if the lack of offensive production is a, now bled into his defensive game, but it's, there's five alarm mistakes being made on a consistent basis without the benefit of 15 goals. Yeah, so if he scored a bit more, maybe we're you not You wouldn't notice it about, as much, you know, but that's it, it has been a tough year. The, the, the expectations of what he's capable of doing have not been reached. All right, we got Tony as well. Go ahead, Tony. Coming off. I just have a question for you guys. Um, so, so my understanding is Manson is our defensive coach, right? Or yep. am I wrong? Primarily, okay. yes. So the, the one thing I'm wondering is we have Bouchard and Broberg on the same line, right? One rookie and one guy who's struggling mightily. And it, just, and it just seems like most of the mistakes that we're making are ones that we've done over and over and over again, okay? And you would think that one of our defensive coaches talking to these guys saying okay this is what you guys are doing this is how you got this is this is how you make the play different and it will actually work because i'm sorry to say right now but everybody who wants a trade or whatever i don't think it's going to happen for the next little while because we are in salary cap prison but maybe it's time to bring in either a guy who knows better defense or just work strictly on defense in practice because that is the reason why it's costing us games. Well, okay, I can tell you, I can guarantee 100% that they're pointing out the mistakes and they're trying to correct them. Now, if a player isn't doing it, well, that's on the player, but uh, this is the same coaching staff with the same defensive coach that was there last year when this team put it together in the second half and had the good playoff run. Uh, at some point, you say, is it the coach or is it the player? But it's not as though this the Dave, Ma Dave Manson on the back end is like, hey, you know, I didn't notice those mistakes, so I'm just going to let them go. They notice what's going wrong, and they're trying to correct them. Um, but the, the problem is if the mistakes are made by the player over and over and over again, that's where the problem comes in. All right, Seattle wins at 5-2 at Rogers Place.
four straight regulation losses at home for the Oilers and winless in five on home ice. We have David on the line as well. Hi, David. Go ahead. Regulation losses at home for the Oilers. Hey, yeah, turn your radio down. I know what I sound like already. We have David on the line as well. Hi, David. Go Okay, well, let's let's go to the next caller, Angie. I don't you know did, you did sound work. good, though. I liked it. Yeah, I I'm, sh- I'm sharp. I'm really flying tonight. Uh, we got Cam as well. Hi, Cam. Go ahead. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey, so uh, as disappointing as these losses are, I think we are going to make the playoffs and maybe even win around. But that will be despite the management, not because of it. We, like I guess we all know, Ken Holland has done a very, very poor job of building this roster. My question tonight is, did uh, Woodcroft just admit to that in his post-game interview? He said we don't have the same team as last year. What that means to me is not only Ken Holland didn't improve this team, it's made it worse, hasn't it? So which moves made it worse, do you think? Well, where is our top four D-man? He signed a goalie that can't stop a balloon right now. <laughs> And what, what hole did you think he fixed? I don't think he's fixed any of the holes that he was hired to fix. And it's been four years. Well, his, I mean, to his, play, de- to play devil's advocate, well, he, he signed Evander Kane. And, and a lot of people well, thought he, he wouldn't do that. He got and Jack, Zach Hyman. And, 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 but for my talk, just, just hold on for a second. Laugh. Just hold on for a second. And from the from my the talk show I host every day in, in the offseason, most Oilers fans wanted Jack Campbell as the goalie of the three guys who were available. Grubauer and, and uh, Soros that went from St. Louis to Detroit. No. Not, not Soros. Isn't Soros the guy that plays? Oh, the guy from... I know what you mean. Oh, the, I forgot that. I know, yeah. Now. Soros is a guy in Nashville. But Grubauer's no, having a Soros. terrible year. And the guy that went to Detroit... Hey, what's it? I can, I can I totally, see... Yeah, Hughes, thank you for It starts with an H, me. I think. It starts with oh, an H. Oh, Huso. Yeah, Huso. Pardon me, everybody. That was, that was an awful mistake. I, I'm like I'm like the others. I started strong. Now I'm fading tonight. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously not everything Ken Holland has done has worked out. And, and yes, maybe he could have looked at it. But I, mean, I think to say, well, nothing he's done. I mean, if signing Evander Kane was a very non-Ken Holland move, if you look yep. at his history. Okay, but go on, Cam. What else do you have? Did Woodcroft just admit to that fact, or like, what do you read into his comments? No, no, I don't read into that at all. I, th- I think you're, I think you're, you're flipping out tonight because your favorite team lost the hockey game. I think Woodcroft was saying he's more or less telling the press, right? To say, you know, it's a different team. Okay, let's not worry about what happened in the past. Let's worry about what happened today. I, to me, I, I thought, well, actually, it's pretty close to the same team. It's a lot of the same players as they had last year. Just some of the players aren't playing as well as they did last year. Some of the players need to be better than, than they've been thus far this year. Uh, I don't think this is the sky is falling yet. Uh, I think the Oilers are still there, and they just need to go on a run, and they're very capable of going on a run. But the, the commitment to detail that they had in the second half of last season, I don't think they've had that on a consistent basis this year, and I think that's hurt them. I don't think this team is good enough to be able to play loose, and be a consistent team that wins hockey games. I think when they're uh, good defensively and accountable defensively, they've got a good power play and a great top two lines that they will win hockey games. And that's what we saw last year in the, the run to the playoffs and in the playoffs. They just haven't played to that level enough this year on a consistent basis. Uh, I will say this. I, I think I think Ken Holland's 
most difficult day, most not most his most difficult test as Oilers general manager in the next two months. I mean, aren't we exactly two months today from the trade deadline? Because this, I mean, this was the year where you're supposed to be very, very good. Yeah. And they aren't very, very good. Mm-hmm. They're barely, you know, they're kind well, of slightly yep. better than mediocre. So, what can he do now in in the next? two months and look everybody you can criticize the gm but here's where i challenge people when they call into this show or or my show well okay ken holland never takes a chance well okay signing evander kane was, was a chance all i heard uh, all i heard uh well not all i heard a couple summers ago was what what a stupid trade for evander keith for duncan keith what a st- what a stupid trade to bring it and now mm-hmm. well we missed duncan keith why, why could like well, and everyone now, was mad about Koskinen and Smith. Quite frankly, the the worst move Ken Holland made was the two picks for Athanasio yes. a couple of years ago. That was a bad. That deal. was that was that was a bad deal. Yep. Uh, and and, the, and, and, and again, I agree with you. Everyone, everyone was excited about Jack Campbell when they signed him. It was that was a popular signing by the Edmonton Oilers in, in the media in social media. Uh, he just has not played anywhere near what the expectation no. he has. And again, he's. I don't know, he's played, what, 15 games this year, 12 games, into a five-year contract. Hopefully he turns it around. And the others, I'm, I'm not sure they desperately need him to turn around, but it, it would be very beneficial for their well, team Well, like I said, if, if a, a year from now or next December, we're, we're still talking about this, and Skinner's like the obvious number one, and Campbell like plays, you know, 20% of the games, it's, it's a bad contract. Oh, yeah, for sure it is. You know, for sure. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But we're hoping that things get changed. And, everyone, I mean, he's a guy you cheer for, so hopefully it turns around for Jack Campbell. All right, we have Darren on the line as well. Oilers lose 5-2 to Seattle. Darren, go ahead. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yes. First time calling on the show, on the show, as other guy says here. But uh, I'm motivated to call in tonight, uh, and it's been said lots uh, tonight in the show about Evan Bouchard's performance tonight. Uh, I won't get into the details, but I, I just thought there's been, and I've been a big Evan Bouchard fan, uh, up until about four weeks ago, and then two weeks ago, I kind of thought, well, maybe he isn't the right fit for the team. And now I'm really thinking, you know, this might be uh, an addition by subtraction situation where, you know, some of his mistakes, that really costly mistakes and key games, uh, I think have been big parts of the losses. And I think trading him for a veteran defenseman with term at this point and where the Oilers are might be the best play. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I, I agree. He's made – I mean, look, there's been a lot of players that have made mistakes. He's made very costly errors, and he's made them a lot. Tonight, tonight you could find a couple for sure. Yep. I mean, a penalty that you should know is going to get called. Uh, Didn't clear the puck fan, fanning, on the goal. Fanning on the puck. Uh, I mean, on the two-on-two two that turned into a breakaway. Yes. Could you trade him? Maybe. Um, I mean, you're running the risk of him three years from now. He's a 20-goal defenseman, yeah. and you don't have him. But that, to me, you know, you're probably trading him to uh, Chicago and Arizona that might say, okay, we'll we'll take a chance on him. Because if he if he's having a bad year, we don't care this year because we're trying to finish as close to 32nd as possible. So that's, yeah, I mean, that's not the first time I've heard that suggestion. For and, well, and, and I agree with what you said earlier, Reed. Of all the players that have underachieved, and there are players that are not playing up to their potential, I think he has probably been the biggest noticeable one. I think he is probably missing his mark more than any other player on the team right now. And he plays plays important position. And he uh, has been nowhere near where he was at the end of last year. And I, right now we talk about Jesse Pugliarvi 
at times playing without confidence and it affects him as a young player. Well, it certainly looks the same with Evan Bouchard on the back end, who's struggling with his confidence because both offensively and defensively, he's not the same player that they were expecting. Well, he has three goals. They were in back-to-back games. Yep. So so there's only two games this year he scored goals. Yep. And we're 39 games into the season. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Dustin standing by as well. Go ahead, Dustin. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. First time callers in, in about 30 years. So oh, we appreciate wanna, it. Yeah, you bet. I just want to cover some stuff about uh, this year. Uh, Woodcroft, Reed, you nailed it on the head. I mean, uncharacteristic, like the errors we made tonight, it happens all the time. Uh, um, Evan Bouchard, giveaways, can't handle the puck in front of the net, giving giving pucks away, our face off. Does does he actually go into the dressing room and say these are uncharacteristic errors? You know, like it, it's very frustrating, like for me to hear a coach say that. I grew up in the days of, let's say, Dave Manta. Um, he was snapping sticks <laughs> when he came into that dressing room. And Rob, you know, you know it. Um, <laughs> we've all been there, but. To say that they didn't make mistakes tonight was very, very frustrating for me. Um, on to another thing, Stoffer. I've heard him say time and time again, Bouchard is the biggest mistake of the Oilers. He's, he, he's gave games away seven times this year, guys. Seven times. And, and then he says, I wouldn't trade him. It's about time we trade him. It's about time we lean them up, whatever you need to do, and we'll go on from there. It's time to pick up the Edmondson and, and, and get a stay-at-home D-man that can protect our Oilers. Dave Manson, great D-man. Look at his son, Josh. I, he, he's got to be shaking his head seeing how our D-man play. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. We, we got a stud D-man, number 25, Darnell Nurse. And I know everybody says he's overpaid. He's a young gun. We got him for years, and we should be proud of that. We should really be proud of that because he's going to only grow. But all that boy needs is some backup. Appreciate it, Dustin. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Speaking of uh, Darnell Nurse, let's go down to the Oilers dressing room. Nurse is at the mic for Eclipse Restoration. What's maybe the most frustrating part about that result for you guys and, and the way that went for you? Yeah, obviously we battled uh, to put ourselves in a position where we were up to nothing, and then uh, they had a good push, and we weren't able to respond. So that's uh, frustrating because, I mean, even in the third, you know, you put on you put on pressure, and you know we get we get one against this allowed. So there's um, yeah, it's just frustrating not to to get the result. There no when you not to break it down goal by goal, but just your assessment to defensively as as units of five what what you saw uh, in regards to when seattle had that kind of 11 minutes did yeah they had, a, they had a push and made uh made their opportunities count really are no face-off goals as i know jay's talked about it you guys have talked about it means something you want to work on i don't know if you've had time to look at it but what's going wrong on those right off the face-off that's hurting the team how do you fix that as a group uh you know what the 
we, you have the game plan and, and how to uh, how to stop it. So on us to go out there and execute. And like all these questions, they're, they're great questions. But I mean, at the end of the day, we can talk about this as much as we want. We could be a dead horse as long as we want. But we just got to go out there and play and uh, get back to work tomorrow and take it one day at a time. So you're halfway through the season now, and then sort of we've seen some of these recurring themes. So at what point does it become? You know, it's just hockey. It's a one-off or a legitimate concern that these things keep happening this deep in the season. I mean, if we're we're going to come in and, and beat our heads against the wall and get down on ourselves, we're not going to get very far in this in this uh, in this year. And there's lots of hockey to be played. But with that said, we're not in the position at all where we want to be, where we think we're capable of being at this point. Um, and, and with that said, uh, I mean, kind of just like my, my last answer, it's we talked about all. We just got to come in here and work tomorrow and take it one day at a time. I guess. Okay, that is Darnell Nurse after the Oilers lose 5-2 to the Kraken. We'll get to a few more of your calls. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, the final at Rogers Place, Seattle 5, Edmonton Oilers Two, we are in Studio 99, and when I say we, I mean that literally. It's just me and Rob <laughs> and our game joint. Even Troy left. Everyone's it really gone. is just us. There's no waitresses, no I bartenders. Wonder if the beer taps are locked off. Yeah, well, the security's gone now. If we're going to try it, now's the time to do it. Oh, I, I think I see something moving down That's there. That's Troy. Troy is back there. He's a Yeti. Yeah, I think Troy. We're gonna, we're gonna Troy's gone to sleep. Yeah, Troy's sleeping back there. We're going to get the Sasquatch photograph that'll prove it once and for all. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hi Ryan, go ahead. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I'm going to take a little bit different run at this. Um, last year the guys started real hot, sixteen and five, and then of course had that bad stretch and Tippett was fired. I, I feel to me, I wasn't in the room, obviously neither were you guys, but they they hit rock bottom and they were more than willing to listen to whatever Woodcroft brought in, and obviously that worked for them. This year they don't start as hot, but the expectations are still high, and they're kind of just middling along. Are we or at risk at this point now, or at what point are we at risk where the team's actually in a more dangerous position this year than last because they're not hitting rock bottom, but they're not really going to get better? Well, I don't know. What do you think? I never thought of it That's that a way. good point. Well, 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 I mean, I just take it a little different look at it. I mean, I look tonight, the, even the big guns are sloppy. They had a few bad passes here and there. And you take the bad with, with the grade of, of the guys, but nobody was playing tight. And, I mean, I can browbeat on Bouchard, but, I mean, everyone was playing a little bit loose, and that's just not tonight. That's been a pretty consistent thing in the last 20 so, games or more. So you're saying so like last year it got so bad they kind of had to rally. So you're kind of concerned with what Rob and I are talking about. Like they're always just on the cusp, just on the cusp. You know, they're they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. In. But yeah. You, yeah. And at, mean, what I, point, at what point, I guess, them to, to, you, to ask you guys, at what point is the panic button getting hit in February or March and this thing's too long gone to turn it around? Because I think last year, you know, Holland had his finger on the button at the right point, fired Tippett, brought in Woodcroft, signed or Kane and or traded I guess and and that was that and and this year I think it's a different story could be I'm just asking that's yeah, interesting way to look at I it. mean it, it, it you're right on the point where when a coach gets fired you're at rock bottom and all of a sudden the new coach comes in the attention to detail is much stronger because you just you just cost someone his job and obviously you guys are not doing a good enough job 
if he's lost his job. So the next guy that comes in, he has your ear, and you do pay attention. And they had to go out and get an Evander Kane who most of the National Hockey League wouldn't touch. So they made these moves, firing the coach and bringing in a guy that was radioactive at the time. That's not going to happen this year. They're not going to make a coaching change. There isn't uh, an Evander Kane out there to bring in. This is what they are. So, yeah, it's, that's a great point. They don't have that um, jump start where they're going to get, and all of a sudden, okay, we better get going now because look what happened. So well, I, I don't know what date you look at in that. A, in an odd way, they will add a Vander Kane. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. You know, that's, yeah, good that's point. The, that's, but, yeah, I, I understand what, what, uh, but, uh, what Ryan is saying. Uh, now, it, it's, again, it's pro- I, I don't think they're going to, maybe I'll be regretting saying this in three weeks, I, I don't think they're going to drop way out of it. Nope. I, I think we're going to see them between four points in and four points out maybe the rest of the way but that's could be tense because if you're on that if you're on that two to four points well, out when you get to game 82 it's it's done see you know, the reason you want to bank points is because you come the last three weeks of the season you may run into injury problems and you don't want to say all right we're missing these four players we need to get three points to make the playoffs. It's much better sitting comfortably in the playoff spot and not having that desperation if some players go down with injuries. And that's why you love banking points in October and November because those are points you're going to need at some point when you have a bit of a slip in the season, when you run into injury issues. And the others right now aren't banking those points when they're fully healthy. And that's the one thing that's that worries you a little bit. I still believe the Oilers are a playoff team. I guaranteed it on this show a number of times. But the Oilers are, where they're sitting, precarious. And, and, a, and a long-term injury to a Connor or to a Leon, all of a sudden they don't have those points banked that you would have hoped they would have had by now. And that's what might scare you if you're a fan. And uh, you said the word, I think playing with a little more desperation needs to be the quick change for Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game. Visit your local Jiffy Loop today. All right, uh, we'll get to a couple more folks here. we got David on the line as well. Hi, David, go ahead. Hi. Okay, so here's what I think. Uh, I think Ken Holt uh, should take a chance uh, on a guy who makes $4 million a year, and he is... Uh, got a 9 save percentage in Philly on a bad team, Carter Hart. And uh, you guys do the you, rest. Would you tra- if you were Philly, would you trade Carter Hart? That'd be my question to you. Of course not, but that's why you got to sweeten the deal, man. Do you not like what Stuart Skinner's done? I love it. Then, love why, it would, then why would you want Carter Hart then? Uh, healthy competition. Yeah, but you've got another goalie making $5 million. You're going to have three okay, goalies so here's here. here's what you do with that. Here's what you do, because I knew you guys were going to bring up the contract and whatnot, right? Um, somehow he's got to get creative. Uh, if you if he could pay, uh, if Oilers could pay half of Campbell's salary for two or three years, something like that. They can't, though. Know, they can't. They don't, have the, they don't have the salary cap. No, they, that, they're not getting rid of it, uh, a, a five-year, $5 million contract. They just can't. They they can't eat any salary. The others have okay. they have so, pennies so right Rob, now in their salary cap. So Robbie, um, okay. So if there's rumors floating around on Facebook then about uh, inner management or whatever has met and 
has floated the idea of uh, trading Campbell. Do you take that seriously, or do you no. just take that as Facebook garbage? I, I don't take that serious at all. No, I don't. Okay. I mean, does Jeez, this, I this, this, does does I don't know. Does Jack Campbell have a no trade clause in his contract? I have no, no idea. I don't know that. No, I don't either. I mean, that would be also coming to I, I, Jack Campbell, I do not, like, no one's going to take a five-year. He's five, got a 10-team. Ten, ten yeah, so a $25 million contract for a goaltender that's underachieving. No, that, I mean, I, I, I love Carter Hart. I think he's a fantastic young goaltender. But I, I, in all honesty, I don't think goaltending is the issue right now for the Edmonton Oilers. Stuart Skinner's been fantastic for them. The, the, the problem has been the play in front of them. Yeah, Carter Hart, uh, what does he make? Just under $4 million for the next couple of years. Then he's an RFA. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, you gotta, rumors, rumors, rumors. People, uh, I'm sure, have heard me long enough to know <laughs> how I feel about rumors. And plus, with, and some things turn out to be true, but anybody can post anything on social media and say, well, I, I know this guy, and he told <laughs> me this. And it, plus, here's the thing. Managers... It is their job to think about every possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Kelly Rudy told me a story from a few years ago. Um, I can't remember who his GM was, but he was a veteran player, and he was uh, he was out of the lineup or something, so he was just watching a practice, and, and he sat with the GM. And they started talking about trades, and, and he said, well, we probably got, what, six, seven, eight guys that you'd never trade? And the GM said, Kelly... Don't fool yourself. If it's the right deal, everyone. I mean, except I guess Wayne was on the team at the time. L.A. Well, well they eventually Gretz- did, but but you know, you no, know what I mean. Like when the day that Wayne Gretzky got traded was sold. the day that it was well, more well, slightly different. Yeah, but, but it, I mean, it was he was he was moved. Yeah, he he and, was moved. And again, I, I know I, I got a trade dry settle call on my show last week, and I said, well, I doubt it, but a- any anything's possible. Anything is possible, yeah. but there's things that are hard to do. I mean, you're not going to trade for another goaltender. Goaltending is not the issue right now for the Edmonton Well, you could, but somebody would have to take all of Campbell's Yeah, but no one's going to do that. I mean, if the the reason that people are calling for him to be traded is because he's underachieved here. So why would anyone team take $25 million on a goaltender for five years that right now is is struggling at an 880 save percentage? It's just not going to happen. Um, I think the Oilers are very, very fortunate with the play of Stuart Skinner, their backup goaltender. That hat... Stuart Skinner's play has allowed the Oilers to stay in the playoff race. Yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, to me, Stuart Skinner is the goalie of the future here. Uh, right now, he's the, goal- the goalie of the present as well. All right. Uh, one more call. We got Jonathan standing by. Oilers lose 5-2 to the Kraken. Go ahead, Jonathan. Hi. I was wondering uh, if you could bring in a defenseman right now because I think that's what who they're going to bring in is a, is a defenseman. Who would you bring in? Larry Robinson in his prime. <laughs> Who would you bring in? Yeah. I, w- I want Bobby Orr. Seriously, <laughs> I love Bobby Orr. Um, the, okay. Well, okay, a great example. I don't know who they would bring in, but I think they would want a defenseman that plays like Adam Larson. I think that's the kind of okay. defenseman they need. Now, I don't know. I know they've yeah. Edmondson's name has been thrown around. I've heard Luke Shen's name thrown around. But Luke Shen, to me, Chick is a but, but Luke Shen's a third-pairing defenseman. I, I think in, in an ideal world, they get a, an Adam Larson-type defenseman to play in their top four. That That's who I yeah. would look for. Do you think they'll be able to afford the salary? Because they are up against the cap. They, they are. I'm I, not I do. sure they're going to make a lot of moves. Like, like I, I think I, they're I, only going to bring in, like, there could, I mean, like a bottom-tier guy for a million dollars. Like, 
I think they'll. I, I think they'll be. I think Ken Holland will be creative. I think he will be creative. I think he understands the importance of this season. I think they want to build off of last year's success. I, I don't think Ken Holland or the Oilers organization is blind to the fact of what has been plaguing them this year. Uh, and the biggest thing to me is they don't have that meanness on their back end. So I think they will do whatever it takes to try to make that work. It might have to be involving another team taking some of their money of a contract, which means you're giving that team a draft pick or something to eat some of somebody's contract. Uh, but I do believe that the Oilers will go out and find that kind of player. Having said that, there's going to be other NHL teams that are looking for it. The, to me, the Colorado Avalanche last year had a really, really good hockey club and then went and got Josh Manson, a big, mean, tough defenseman. He's going to make mistakes, but he also adds a, a, a meanness to your back Who end. I thought had good puck skills, yeah. too. Yeah, so that's what I, I think has. that's what the Oilers need. And so to me, and uh, they want a defenseman, I believe, that plays like Adam Larson. Yeah, and, and you know, Edmondson's an interesting one. I, I know you watched him. What wasn't there a game? He was the only non-rookie defenseman on the Canadiens. Yeah. Like, you know, I've heard, well, he's not looking that good. Okay, is he having a bad season? Or is he not looking that good because he's... On a bad experienced guy yeah. on a bad team, so that's something the uh, you know the scouts are going to have to and Ken Holland are going to have to figure out. I mean, I think some sort of a trade is inevitable. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's more likely for a defenseman than for a forward. Again, I think we can pick apart some things up front about the Oilers. I mean, okay, Holloway should he be here? Should he be playing more? Some of the guys who might be scoring more, but he, even as as I've said several times. The Oilers actually, most nights, they only got the two tonight, a lot of nights they score enough, even with just once Kane is healthy, they did it in the playoffs against Calgary. The The big five got 80% of their goals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and actually Bouchard got three or four other ones. But that is the crazy thing. The, the, their top five guys, when Kane is healthy, actually score enough on their own yep. for them to be competitive. So... Yes, you'd, you'd like more depth scoring, but keeping pucks out of out of their net the, the is, is the biggest problem. The Oilers are scoring enough goals right now to have a better record than they do. The Oilers uh, are giving up enough goals to keep them out of the playoffs. So right now, it's, that's why they're right now kind of teetering on that last playoff line. Offensively, they're gifted and should have enough goals to be a very good team in the regular season. Defensively, has cost them a lot of points well, in the Well, again, standings. coming in tonight, fourth in goals for per game, 21st in goals against. And they'd moved up the three or four spots in goals against because yeah. the last week they only allowed five goals. And then they allow five in the game tonight. So, yeah, it, probably some sort of a defenseman with a little bit of ruggedness is who they're going to go after. I mean, we talked about some of the names. I'm sure more will be coming up uh, as, as we go along. Hey, well, in, in a perfect world, Ken Holland would love to wait and not have to make a move for a while. Well, then that's and that's the interesting thing is, um, I, I mean, I, I feel like, th 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 to me, from this is the most impatient and the angriest the fans have sounded all year yep. after this game. And I and I don't blame them. I'm no. not being critical, but you know, I know we got 12 to 15 calls. That doesn't that doesn't say so we don't know if that represents the thousands of Oilers fans that there are. But I I, I think that sentiment is out there. Yep. And, and I think the stuff you and I said off the top indicate where we think the team is at mm -hmm. and why there's cause for some frustration here. So, so I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Does, does he simply wait until Evander Kane comes back? And that's probably at least three weeks. Maybe, maybe, he, maybe he plays a couple games before the All-Star break. 
so that there's the, there's the question right and that's where all the armchair gms are right now well yes you wait no no make a move tomorrow like but then evander kane coming back is like a band-aid on a big cut now you're just trying to outscore your mistakes because they don't become a better defensive team they become a better offensive team and the problem for the Oilers is an offense. No, the problem for the Oilers I mean, is defense. Okay, you could, I could quibble and say, well, if you spend time, more time in the other he's teams, only on, and you're, you but know. he's only on every third shift or fourth shift. So that's not to me. The Oilers needs help on the back end. And now, do you wait until the trade deadline, or do you make a deal before that? I think the earlier you make the deal, the more it's going to cost you. So I, I think he hopes that the Oilers find a way to stay in the playoff race, which they will. There and get to themselves to a point where now they can add the additions as they get close to the trade deadline as opposed to second week of January. Well, and the, 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 you know, then I'll go back to the next six games coming up. So you play an Islanders team you've lost to. Uh, and they're a good team that have a better record team, than the Oilers. Colorado. You're uh, fighting for the playoff spot you're for You're fighting with right yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, and again, because of the, them being a little bit injured. L.A. You're, they're ahead game. of you. Anaheim and San Jose you better beat. Yeah. And then, and then Vegas. Who's ahead of you? So three of the teams are ahead of you. One of the teams is more or less tied with you. Actually, have probably has a better winning percentage than you. So probably four of the teams have betting winner, better winning percentages. And then you got two teams that are must wins. Yeah, Colorado the points percentage. Edmonton's five thirty eight. Colorado's five sixty nine. LA's six ten. Again, LA's defense is worse than the Oilers. So we'll see if they hang on. Well, their goal. Yeah, their their goaltending is the goals against is yeah. worse. Yeah. Uh, obviously, San Jose and Anaheim are poor, but you got to jump on those teams. And then and, and I'm already Ve- yeah. Vegas is already uh, at 675. What are the Islanders at? 590. So they're a little bit ahead of Yeah, so four of the, the six teams have better records have, than have the Better Oilers. points percentage than the yep. Oilers. A couple are close. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's the thing. Like, I'll focus on these next. If, if they go four and two, you think, okay, maybe. All good. If they go two and four. If they go two and four, they're, they're going to be out of the playoffs be, after those six. Well, they'd be 500. They'd be a game above 500, yeah. which is past the halfway point of the season. Which is usually not a playoff team. No, not at all. All right. Uh, thanks to everybody who called tonight. Stoff has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Our next game broadcast presented by Friesen Brothers is Thursday night, 5.30 face-off show. Puck drop at 7 as they take on the New York Islanders. Big thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer here inside Rogers Place, and to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer, back at 6.30. Jed, on behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. The tentacles wrap up the Oilers 5-2.